everyone and, and thanks a lot for coming to the next installment of the live series roundtable events um, which is obviously our series that connects some of the top engineering leaders uh, to engage in a discussion on hot topics from the engineering world. Um, so my name's Jamie and hopefully you'll know by now that I work for Amicus and we're a specialist tech recruitment agency focusing on JavaScript, Python, Golang and Rust recruitment across Europe and the US. Um, so today's roundtable event is going to cover the topic of the journey from senior engineer to engineering manager, um, something I've discussed with all of our guests previously, um, something which I feel isn't really spoken about much, um, even from a non-technical perspective, going from a, um, a standard role into a management role is always a big transition, I think even more so within engineering. So um, I'm very excited today to be joined by some of the top engineering leaders from across Sweden and Denmark. Um, so I'll go around and give everyone just a very brief introduction. So. We've got Stefan Sommer, um, who is currently CTO at Monster Lab. Um, we have Soren Engel, um, who is the Director of Engineering for Linkfire. Uh, Daniel Lazarovici, I hope I pronounced that right, Daniel, apologies if not, um, who's the Head of Engineering at Firmnav. Um, and David Bozjak, who is the Director of Engineering for Orisonsbron. Um, so yeah, again, thanks a lot for joining everyone. And uh, as I mentioned, I'd just like everyone to do like a, a brief introduction to give us all an idea of your kind of experience and, and what your role is at the moment. So um, David, I introduced you last, but let, let's come to you first. Um, could you give us all a, a brief introduction to yourself and, and your current situation? Yeah, sure. Big thanks for having me, all, uh, having me on, first of all. Uh, but yeah, I'm David Bozjak. I'm originally from Slovenia, but I've been living the dream in Sweden for the last 10 years. Uh, really the promised land I can strongly recommend to everyone who's tempted. I have a strong, you know, classic engineering background. So I've studied computer science and then I worked as a software developer, like in small companies and very big companies. And then kind of had like a st standard path to um, tech lead, engineering manager, engineering director. So currently my position is uh, director of software engineering at Orisonsbrunn, like making sure that, uh, you know, like all the in-house development that we do that enables the connection between Sweden and Denmark works smoothly. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, Daniel, we'll, we'll come to you next. Could, could you do the same? Yes. Uh, so thank you for having me on the panel. Um, so I'm Daniel, head of engineering at the firm now. Uh, at Firmnav oversees the operations of uh, back-end uh, team and front-end DevOps, uh, cloud and AI uh, in Copenhagen, both in, in both our locations in Copenhagen and Lisbon. I um, also have done some public speaking uh, meetups, uh, some meetups uh, around the, uh, also front-end meetups and back-end meetups, uh, also in uh, Vilnius, uh, AWS. I've also done some uh, workshops. Um, and yeah, overall, I've uh, been in uh, Denmark with um, a range of companies, everything from uh, small startups to a uh, big enterprise in uh, various uh, positions as a lead in architecture. Amazing. Thank you very much. Um, Soren, we'll, we'll come to you next. Ryan, thanks. So uh, my name is Soren Ingel, and uh, I'm the Director of Engineering at uh, Linkfire. So day-to-day, -day, my job is basically to oversee all internal operations within the engineering team we have here, uh, primarily spread within uh, Copenhagen, and we have people also in Lisbon, and also a couple of remote people sitting in Bristol and so forth. Um, so so good mix of, uh, of different time zones and, uh, and a good team here. Um, so I think for me, 
my venturing into management has been that i mean i've also had a similar path like was mentioned by you david like i've been, been working my way up as an engineer myself also school classically in, in computer science then dabbled my way as, a, as an ic for a number of years before venturing into uh, being a tech lead and then obviously at some point engineering manager and now um, leading uh, other managers as a director. Um, and I've also worked at different uh, at different sizes of companies, uh, all from very small companies, five-man startups to scale-ups uh, and also big corporate uh, companies. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm also really happy to be here and uh, looking forward to the good conversation we'll be having. Awesome, thank you very much. And, and last but not least, uh, Stefan. Thank you, Jamie, and hi, everyone. Um, Stefan Sommer, based in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, worked with technology my entire life. Started programming at the age of 11. Uh, took a very traditional CS degree, as almost anyone on the call, as far as I, I could uh, understand. Much more focused around products and startups in my early days. And then a bit by coincidence, I ended up in sort of the consultancy space. And today, I work at a company called Monster Lab, which is a digital consultancy focused around data, strategy, technology, and experience. 1,500 people company, uh, close to 30 locations worldwide. And I, my remit covers what we call international markets. So ranging from Bangladesh, Singapore, to Middle East, to Europe, as well as Americas. Amazing. Thank you very much. Um, so we'll kickstart the conversation, but it's something that a couple of people already kind of touched on. And obviously with the, the CS degrees that we've clearly got flowing through the call. Um, but one of the things that, that's always kind of interested me on this topic in particular is what made you go into management? Because the way I see it from having spoken to people at the kind of senior level and people who've already moved into management, the way it typically works is that you work your way up from a, you know, a junior engineer, mid-level to senior, and then your next kind of step from there realistically is normally either a, an architecture or an IC route, or you move into management. So what was it that actually made you want to go into to management? It's a free-for-all now, by the way, so anyone can, can jump in and, and kickstart us. Uh, I can say that they got me with the tech lead role. I think that's kind of quite, quite common. Um, that you sort of like as you're a senior engineer and you progress like more and more into sort of like responsibilities that span over um, you know like over the bigger domain you get a lot of domain knowledge so you at some point you get on the tech lead uh title and that usually means like it differs a lot from company to company but in my experience it usually means that you have sort of like experience um responsibility over the product of breaking out breaking down tasks and breaking down work but you don't have staff responsibility for the like for other engineers so even if you maybe allocate work you don't you know like you don't approve vacations you don't have one-on-ones you don't uh, do that thing so it was exactly like that for me and then uh i enjoyed that role a lot and then uh, at some point like it was it was time to conclude my my chapter at uh, at microsoft and then i was thinking okay i'm very confident i can take another like senior engineer role somewhere but i could try the other side uh of the fence and try a complete manager role somewhere um and i did that then later it was it was storytell and that was I, I felt that i really found myself so uh there so i it happened that i really enjoyed that role and it was the right step for me uh but i think it's a very different job so i think it's completely fine to also stop at senior engineer or uh tech lead and not kind of like run after the manager titles yeah 
It's, uh, I was going to say as well, something I'd ask you on that, David, is uh, I know that some people, when they go into management, sometimes find it quite difficult to make the transition because they really miss the kind of day-to-day engineering side of the role. Was that something that, that you came across or something that you felt? Yeah, I definitely struggled uh, with that for a, for a while at, the, at a different, you know, like I also went to a different company where I actually didn't have the engineering background. Like I couldn't actually fix things myself. And I think that helped a little bit, but it's a very big mind shift uh, from, you know, like worrying about your own personal performance, trying to be a top performer, trying to be like on top of all of the latest and greatest technical things to then taking a step back and making sure that you remove blockers that your team performs and that it's not you know it's not about you and your performance it's about like how your team performs and that's a big mind shift uh i think no i can imagine um it's yeah something that a lot of people mention um has anybody else got anything that that they'd like to, to kind of add on that as to why they decided to move into management as opposed to, to sticking to, to purely engineering well it, i i think for me i actually advanced quite a lot throughout the ic track because to me it was not no, so I mean, like originally, it wasn't maybe so clear that this is the path for me that I wanted to move into. So I had actually been pursuing um, the the levels, if you will, on the uh, on the technical side for quite a while, and I was pretty sure that that was where my home was was sort of at. Um, um, but I've always had a passion for like um, mentoring people, um, being there to support them in their growth. But I never really it never really occurred to me until a certain point that. This was actually something that was maybe a bit more natural for me to pursue this direction. So at some point, I kind of came to this realization after having spent, as I said, a lot of time working my way up the, the ladder on the technical side that I actually got a great deal of satisfaction from seeing and helping other people grow. Um, and and at a certain point, it kind of came to the point that I sort of had to make it up with myself that I was basically getting the same sort of like personal satisfaction from that as I was when I was building uh, technical products. Um, and that was one of the triggers for me that maybe I needed to look at something different. Um, and the other thing I also found was that I tried to then look at what is it that I really enjoy when I was building, let's say the technical side of things. And I think for me, it was really the, the system design, trying to figure out like how you, how you build, like, like the building blocks essentially and trying to figure out how to optimize things, debugging things and all of that. And uh, as I started to venture into it, and I don't know if this is something others can also relate to, but I think for me, um, working on the people side, comparing that to the technical side, there are a lot of the same disciplines you need to do. It's obviously in a different context, but you still need to be able to read the right signals, placing the right signals, um, figure out how you can optimize things around that. So these two things like matched up to me was really something that at the end of the day made me basically go a few step backs in my career and then pursue the management um, uh, track more or less on a full time. And I'm still an engineer by heart and I still like to work with technical stuff, but I really found myself thinking that I wanted to work with people as my primary focus because that's where I really feel at home. Um, but yeah, it was a major shift, <laughs> I think, uh, definitely. And uh, not something that I, like, I think it's it's been a wild ride so far and I think it's difficult to really prepare for this because you basically take one uh, set of tools and then you exchange it with another and then you're basically back to square one. So it's it's a fun uh, fun experience. No, I can imagine. I really enjoy. Sorry, carry, carry on. 
sorry to in interrupt. I really enjoyed listening to that uh, comparison. So, and I think that's uh, quite true. Actually, I can definitely relate to that. Although I would say that humans are much more difficult in uh, compared to machines, right? I think my own path were a bit different. In my experience, at least, I see managers either being sort of coached or pushed uh, not towards becoming a manager um, um, or they have this sort of natural drive to go in that direction. And I think that the latter would probably be my own sort of journey. I think while studying computer science, I actually started taking courses in different faculties uh, around coaching, project management, went to courses around public speaking. So it was quite clear to me early on that I wanted to focus on the softer side of things as well uh, in terms of my so, uh, experiences and, and, and skills and, and so it was quite clear that this was sort of the route to that I wanted to pursue. Not saying it was without any issues at all, I can still relate to that sort of mind um, set shift, um, but that's, yeah, that was sort of my journey into this. For me, the, the, the what got, got me into engineering management was uh, in, in your career, you kind of develop different passions uh, for different areas. So in the beginning, you kind of, you know, you really want to code well and uh, deliver, and then you become like a senior and a lead. And then at some point, you say, like, okay, but I really want to learn how to uh, build well, uh, define architecture, scalability. What about the product? So for me, it was the perfect combination of uh, the passion for people, uh, technology and product, but also the engagement with the tech community and branding, because I always felt like the, the engineer manager or the engineer management is like a lighthouse for your company where you project towards others uh, how you want to brand yourself, but also how well are the foundation and how to build really, really well foundation of, uh, of, uh, of engineering. And it also helped along the way that uh, at least I was lucky to pinpoint some really good mentors uh, that were, I was a lead, they were directors, right? And really helped me along the way to understand what is expected of that world? What is how, how uh, the first day looks like? Uh, different scenarios that uh, you could uh, you can hit along uh, uh, along the way. So those kind of things uh, really build the the natural uh, growth towards that world. Awesome. It's good to hear such a range of, of different kind of uh, opinions and, and ways that people have, have come into it. And um, one of the things that that we've touched on already quite briefly, um, some of the struggles that you've come into when making that transition, one of the main ones being that people sometimes find it difficult to move away from purely, you know, software engineering, contributing to a code base every day to moving less and less from that into more of just purely management um, like responsibilities. So outside of maybe that one, what are some of the other things that, that you faced early on in your management days that really made you maybe think, you know, have I made the right choice or, uh, you know, should I go back to being a, a senior potentially? I, I mean, one of the things I had, I don't know if I were lucky or not lucky, but I had kind of like a, uh, a very interesting, uh, start when I officially moved into being an engineering manager, because I, uh, I, I took over some teams where I knew some of the people didn't do some of them, but, uh, one of the things I had to deal with pretty early on was, uh, was, um, low performance. And, uh, that was, um, I think that that was really, that was really challenging because that was something that I had never had to deal with, you know, so much heads on as a, as a, as an individual contributor, because I could obviously look at other folks and say, okay, maybe there is somebody who isn't pulling their weight or, you know, I mean, 
you know, I think at some point you, you get to that point where you're like thinking, okay, what is this person doing here? You know, like all of that, you, you know, you, you have your own thoughts and all of that. But then, I mean, when you're then the person who basically has to deal with the problem, that's, that's not so fun because then you're basically in a way different position. Um, so I think for me, I mean, like being the person who, who had to come in and basically be the one who exposed this individual to the bad news, um, was not super fun, uh, to be quite honest, because, um, it was getting to the point where the person had been neglected for quite some time, hasn't maybe been told, you know, how the person's performance were. And I had to then come in and basically start from breaking where we were and painting the, 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 the picture of where we would be moving with improvement plans and all of that. And it also ended up having to basically let the person go. And I think, um, that was one of the times where I really was putting the decision off and off because I was really trying to figure out how I could justify and try to see how I could get the person to improve. But at the end of the day, it just didn't work. And I think that was probably one of the, like, that's always one of the toughest decisions I would say you have to deal with as the manager that is letting somebody go. Um, but I think that was really, I mean, yeah, I mean, don't want to scare anyone off who is uh, trying to venture into management. But I mean, like, you never know the cards you're being dealt right. And I mean, like for me, that was one of the things that I had to experience very, very early on. And I think that's one of the things you always hope that you don't get to experience, but it's it's part of the job, right? And I think mean, that's one of the things that is it's definitely something different that, I mean, like you are now in this position where you basically have to think about the greater good for the inside scene and also have to think about what this means for for person. Who, who this is an individual who is coming to work every day, trying to do their best, uh, has to provide for their own. And all of a sudden you're the, the judge of their fate, if you will. Right. So that's, uh, I think that was one of the main challenges I had when I moved in. That's really, that's really interesting. And I, I, in a way, I think it's correct and kind of like lucky that you get like one of these difficult problems or like difficult situations early on, because that's kind of like the real test. If you want to be a manager, like also dealing like with the hard stuff and with the difficult situations. So for me personally, it wasn't low performance, but I, uh, but very early, uh, into, into sort of like my new manager position at, at the time, like the, it, it became clear that there was like a really escalating conflict in the team, like between some individuals in the team that was kind of like simmering under the simmering under the, you know, like under the surface for a long time that previously people just turned a blind eye or tried to ignore. And then I, you know, like it was not ignorable <laughs> when, when I joined and in my first like week, kind of like trying to deal with this conflict and dealing with HR and having all of those difficult conversations. I was also thinking this now, you know, like, is it, um, you know, like this, this is not really what I expected and, and so on. But luckily I was able to kind of like make it clear to myself, to myself that maybe it's not what I expected. Maybe it's not what I wanted, but it's definitely something that I signed up for, right? Like I knew that this, that this is part of the, part of the deal. And I think that helped me both like deal with the deal with the situation, but then also know that after I've been through that, that yes, you know, like manager track is actually right for me because, you know, I want to, <laughs> obviously I don't want to have these things on, on day to day, but like, this is, you know, this is what I'm signing up for. So that was very helpful for me. Definitely. It's, it's, it's hard decisions, even though that you do all the preparation work and you collect evidence and for, uh, for several of, uh, for several time span. 
bringing the news is hard, but you know the, the fact that we deal with people and 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 a day-to-day operation. So someone could also, uh, in one case, uh, came to me. I have to go for a week. Uh, I have a, a family issue, uh, and then my whole project was uh, in jeopardy. Uh, and then you have to decide: okay, what do I do now? Do, can I take a resource from other teams? Do I need to now take um, uh, consultants, uh, right? And then, and then you can also shift in like kind of the uh, the money bag issues, right? So th- this is kind of decision that uh, you have to take also know, for day to day. Let's see uh, that also kind of groups to the to the hard decision that you have to make in your role. Yeah, and oh, sorry, Stefan, are you gonna are you gonna jump in that? Yeah, I, I, I can jump in. So I definitely relate to uh, what was already said. I think if I had to sort of highlight two issues that I remember when jumping into sort of this track, there's definitely something around being comfortable with tough decisions or maybe awkward situations, right? That I think people have a tendency to to forget that that is also part of the job and whether that is letting go of people or if it's conflicts and relationships if it's disappointing people in salary reviews, or if it's just sort of personal drama that sort of leaks into uh, the professional life, that's all part of the package. And I really like the the phrase of that is what we sort of signed up for. I really, um, I really like that. The other one that I remember struggling a bit with was sort of um, starting to reflect a bit on what is sort of my own leadership style, so to say. And is that even a thing? Can you even boil it down to sort of an an archetype or do you sort of um, jump in between archetype depending on what the situation requires i think that's something that i sort of at least from my experience my own personal experience but also what i see in other new managers is that they have a tendency to either become this sort of um, very sort of demanding hierarchical uh, micromanaging type of manager or maybe they are the opposite being too polite not really setting the right level of expectations and so on so sort of balancing all of that and trying to find your own sort of personal flavor, uh, whether that is changing depending on the situation or if it's more sort of static, uh, that was definitely something I, I, I struggled with in the beginning. That's a really good point and, and something that I was going to bring up later, Stefan, actually. Um, so I obviously I'm you know not an engineer by any stretch of the imagination, um, but I transitioned into a management role about a year ago. Um, one of the things that I found really difficult personally, I don't know if this is something that any of you can relate to, obviously I personally, from my own perspective, have a, a way of being managed that I like. What I found really difficult was to adapt to how other people like to be managed because I was a little bit short-sighted, I think, and, and sometimes thought, well, you know, this is how I like to be managed, so I'm presuming this is how other people like to be managed. And it was like a, quite a rude awakening to realise that that really wasn't the case and that, you know, if you're managing a team of five, six people, there's probably, you know, two or three different ways that you have to manage each of those individuals to get the best out of them. Um, so I, I don't know whether that's something that anyone else has come across and, and kind of battled with, but something that I certainly got a rude awakening to when I went into management. And absolutely agree to that one. That's uh, it's especially also interesting if you were... Like if, if I think for me, also one of the things there, as I said, I mean, like some of the people I, I was managing when I first stepped in, I knew already, but one thing is knowing them as a peer. Another thing is knowing them then as somebody that you have to manage, which was uh, very challenging also because you have to walk this fine line between, uh, I mean, I mean, you are their manager now, but 
I mean, you also had a, a previous relationship both professionally, but in also like from a friendship point of view, right? But uh, yeah, so definitely it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, I agree 100% that uh, you need to to wear a lot of different uh, hats, if you will, depending on the individual. But like you are also saying, Stefan, I think there's also like being able to take on different, like, like you say, like arts types is, is one way of putting it. But yeah, I mean, adapting to, you know, like in some situations, maybe you need to be a little bit more product specific, maybe more technical specific, maybe you can be a little bit more hands-on, hands-off sometimes. I mean, you, you really need to be adapting a lot um, uh, as both the team evolves, but also as you're being thrown into new situations, if you will. Um, you cannot just apply one uh, like silver bullet, if you will, which we all know doesn't exist, and then just assume that's the natural order of things until you, you don't have that team any longer. Also, like the fact that, you know, at some point you have to say no to people, uh, not only yes and be a promoter, because eventually you as a, we as an engineer managers, we have access to the broader picture right to the business picture so not always the engineers would uh, would follow uh, or would understand so it's really uh, this job uh, kind of really uh, makes you develop an elephant skin as well yeah definitely and uh, I, I can definitely see that because like you say you know sometimes having to, to deliver hard news as we spoke about before or having to try and kind of bring people around to your way of thinking is is never easy even outside of a management position but obviously when you're in that kind of higher up higher up role it is always um, a difficult conversation to have with your team um but one thing i was i was going to ask people um it's always always an interesting one if we were to speak to anyone's uh team in, in here now how do you think they describe you as a manager personally no swearing please you mean no swearing in the english language so people <laughs> well if, you, if you, i'm still working on my, my swedish and my danish so you, you can probably get away with that for now it'll probably slip past the uh, the editor i i can try and, and go first obviously this is um it, a difficult question and and I think it may, might come back to one of the tips for people venturing into this area which is to remember to get feedback the other way right just because you end up becoming a leader or a manager it's very important that you at least in, in my opinion you, that you stay vulnerable to some extent and also obviously you listen and you take in feedback you're not sort of the the guard of everything just because you end up becoming a manager or, or a leader in terms of, of how I would guess and to some extent know that my how my team or my direct report see myself, um, I'm definitely a leader that listens to, to everyone. I try to sort of drive a bit of consensus. And if I cannot achieve that, then I'll make the, the call myself. Um, I can definitely be on the sort of more polite side. And I think that's one of the things that I've actually worked on to be a bit more aggressive of uh, probably lack of uh, of a better word but in some situations that might get you to the outcome you want instead of trying to drive this sort of consensus uh, mindset um i have a high level of integrity and i think a lot about my own values but i also care a lot about the company values we might not have time to to think about that and maybe this is sort of later on in the career of an engineering manager but at some point you also need to consider the culture of the organization, the values of the company, and how that actually translates into everyday life in your team, and how you sort of can connect those dots. Um, so yeah, that's some of the 
the high level feedback I remember getting at least. And uh, yeah, as Stefan said, he led up fairly well. And uh, for me, it's also the trust and transparency values that uh, I'm trying to promote on the each decisions. Yeah, I think for me, I think I would, I would, I would like to hope that my team also believes that I'm being fairly transparent about um, about what we do and being honest in everything I do. I believe that's something you know that has to go through no matter what position you're in. Being honest and and kind is uh, is two of those uh, virtues I think is super important to make sure that you build long lasting relations. But um, I think one of the things that I I kind of get the sense that my team likes about my my style of, of running um, my organization is that um, I'm promoting a lot that people, they shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes. Um, and I do that by also being vulnerable myself and showing that I can take a decision, but I'm also not afraid of showing when it was the wrong decision, but then tracing the steps back to why that was a wrong decision. Also fostering that culture that others are also willing to put their own uh, skin out there and, and try and see they take or they, they might take a bit of risk by doing something, but they also know that there is a safe net underneath and there is full support. But as long as you can justify why you did what you did, and then basically also trace the steps back to figuring out how do you then improve on the next iteration of what you do. I think that's something I also practice a lot um, in my day to day, if you will. Interesting. Uh, I can say that I'm in a very new role now, so I've only I've only switched uh, a few a few weeks ago. So actually, like I would love to know what my new team thinks of uh, <laughs> thinks of me, and you know, like the impressions. It's been unfortunately like a little bit too uh, too early to sort of like get you know like get a review or or something like that. Uh, but one thing that I've always worked on uh, is just like as Steph was saying, like be very explicit for asking for feedback. And that's you know like and then really working on on the feedback, trying to trying to iterate and trying to understand uh, where the sort of like the feedback and the opinions come from. Otherwise, I think like one thing that my like then if we go like if we take uh, one previous job, then <laughs> if we focus on them, one thing that I believe and hope that they would would say is that I uh, that I'm a good listener, that I like listen a lot and really take in uh, their their opinion try to shake off my assumptions or if I have assumptions then um, like make them explicit like make them make them open so that they can be disputed and they, they can be shown to be wrong um, I also very value like transparency and sort of like open communication that can have a downside though like I'm as a person I'm very detail oriented I like to know like the small the small details or everything and then when I communicate this is feedback I've received in the past when I communicate I like to include all details just because I know that like I would appreciate having them so I'm one of the wall of text uh people and I'm trying to shake off that uh, that habit it's surprisingly difficult though it's a good trait to have I suppose good trait to have but uh, yeah I, I can appreciate why you, you may be working on it slightly yeah, I don't think I get many follow-up questions which is both good and bad I think it comes back to and then uh, maybe sorry and like you you mentioned before uh time zones right like but I think I worked in a very like time zone dependent workplace like early in my career or like a long way back in my career. There was like nine hours time difference. So you didn't have, uh, you had zero overlap, right? Uh, so then when you were asking questions or providing information to your counterpart, it was super important 
to really include everything and you know like ask everything include everything because the worst thing that would happen is that you you know like sent off that email or whatever it was and the next day it came come to the office and see hey you know like they they all like this doesn't help me they just asked me for clarifications and now i've just lost that entire workday because i'm blocked i can't i can't continue I was an individual contributor back then, but um, so like I think I then kind of like trained <laughs> trained myself to kind of like yeah always include everything, think of everything, try to have this you know like massive package that you send over. But this is also baggage, right? Like this is not what you necessarily need. It works in every setup. Um, so I'm trying to be very conscious of 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 that nowadays, uh, where I have luck to not work a lot across time zones. Um, so yeah, let, let, let's see if that it would be interesting to know how 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 much how <laughs> my new team is going to uh, hate that. <laughs> I'm sure they won't. I'm sure they won't. Um, but no, it's, it's you know, no matter what level you're at in your career, I suppose there's always room for for improvement and, and you know ways to uh, to change your style if that's needed. But um, oh, definitely. Yeah, of course. And I should hope so. Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that somebody mentioned before, I, I can't remember who said it, but it was about not being afraid to make mistakes, um, I think is such a, a massive point. Um, it's one of my pet peeves, uh, and I'm lucky enough really to have had a lot of managers throughout my career in, in recruitment and before that, that have been very transparent and, like you say, almost encourage people to make mistakes because ultimately that's the way that you learn. Um, I remember listening to a, a podcast. I don't know whether anyone listens to the, the Stephen Bartlett podcast, the Barry of a CEO. Um, he had the footballer Peter Crouch on a couple of weeks back and he made a point that, that really like, irritated me. So he, he said something along the lines of he feels that, you know, if he has a manager, then his manager should always be a level above. And if you have a, a question for, for your manager, they should have an answer straight away. And my way of looking at that was, well, I would respect the manager a lot more if they said actually I'm, I'm not too sure on that like let me you know look into that and get back to you we'll we'll work on it rather than just coming up with an answer for the sake of being a manager and I should know more um so yeah that's definitely a, an important point to, to cover I think um but one of the other things that I, I wanted to, to cover and we've we've already kind of you know covered this slightly throughout as, as we've been going through the conversation but um for people that are currently at a senior manager role uh, or senior engineer role sorry or maybe as, as we mentioned before in a tech lead role and, and looking to make that kind of full-time step into management from everything that you've experienced so far and, and maybe seen from previous managers yourself what would you say are some of the most important things and, and some of the tips that you pass on to people in that situation I think really knowing that you want to is the first is the first step and really knowing that you're doing this for the right reason that you have a passion for people and want to work with people full time. Um, I think like now a lot, a lot of organizations are getting more enlightened and having more sort of like uh, individual contributor levels or like performance or so on, but like if anybody wants to go to uh, to a management role just because of the pay. Like, please don't save yourself a lot of heartache, save, save yourself, like save the team a lot of heartache. Like it's not, you know, it's not worth it. And it's not pleasant experience for everyone if you, if you don't really have a passion for it. No, hundred percent. I, I would support that by, by, by all means. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's also important to kind of say that if, if you cannot truly say that you have that satisfaction from growing people. I mean, you shouldn't also be discouraged, like you're, you're saying, David. I mean, like there are multiple ways you can grow in your career, and I think for I think for for some, maybe it's also understanding, like both from a company point of view, that 
management isn't seen as a as a as a higher thing than maybe uh, an individual contributor track, but also that I think there are leadership in both tracks. It's just a matter of like how you apply that leadership. And I think that's that's really what I tell my engineers is that I mean like when they're getting to this crossroad is that well I mean like do you want to build bigger and and better systems or do you want to manage bigger and better teams because I think that really also for me what it boils down to is like 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 what way do you want to 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 move around in your career and as I also said earlier on I think for me there is a lot of things to be gained so um, something that I also encourage my team for is the uh, is basically I mean like. That they try it out i mean like if they have a hunch that they want to try this out um give it a go see how it works for a period if you don't like it there is absolutely no shame in moving back to the other track i think that's that's super important to understand is that there is no right or wrong it's not that you have to feel that you that that you've failed if you don't succeed moving into engineer management i think that's the last thing people they should be afraid of because i think that's just as much other things in life you have to try it out see how it works for a significant uh, period of time um and then if it doesn't work there is you, you just move back to the other thing you were doing there's no problem with that at all usually i ask if when when i get a request i wouldn't want to be lead or something like that like what, what exactly type of management would you like to do is that more technical more people because there's some other tracks so asking the why question so we can also groom the person if you really feel passionate but also, you know, um, I actually read a really nice article that um, even promoting to engineer managers world, uh, there's a three months grace period that you don't even communicate to the organization, right? It's just the person start acting as, uh, and then if it doesn't work, if it works, then it's all right, right? But if it doesn't work, it's not stepping down, it's stepping aside. And so finding something that is, is equal, which I think is a really interesting uh, method. And of course, uh, not neglecting your roots, right? So you still have to uh, perform very well technically, uh, for for example, so improving development yourself. That's actually some core courses. Uh, one of the courses was in, in educative that I really like and some other really well uh, articles there. So you can start learning about what, what does it mean and really go hand, uh, hand in hand. I'm very much aligned uh, with what people are saying. So we spent quite some time a few years back on redesigning our career journey. And there was there were a big emphasis exactly on what John was saying about sort of changing this perception that management is sort of everything. We wanted to talk about sidesteps. We wanted to show that you could take different paths and it would be sort of the, at the same level, uh, so to say. And I also encouraged people because I've, I've come across a really strong managers who stumbled into it like they might not even see it themselves before they end up in this situation so i think it's perfectly fine to embrace sort of this culture of trying it out and then if it doesn't work for you then you can move on to something else i think if i had to go in a in a different tangent then i think something that is quite uh, straightforward that worked for me it might not work for everyone i think some has a more sort of fluid management style than i have but i think one way that worked quite well for me and which I would recommend others to try out is sort of to codify the management responsibilities, right? I think some of the, the, the tough situations that managers find themselves in is not always, but sometimes due to a lack of preparation, a lack of uh, expectation alignment. Uh, in, in other words, a lack of proactivity, I, I would probably call it. So 
try to maybe structure and, and sort of codify your responsibilities. How does one move from one step in the career doing to another one? How do you monitor this or measure this? How do you sort of, uh, you know, um, piece together the dots in terms of gaps and investment going into um, into training and so on and so on? How do I do follow-ups, uh, one-on-ones, performance management in general? All of these things, if PNC is not providing you with a clear framework that you can sort of just adopt and, and take on, then I would definitely try and look into sort of structuring that yourself. I think that will help you quite a lot, especially if you are of a structured mindset that most engineers are. Yeah, a really good point there at the, the start of what you said as well is about being able to make sideways steps um, in engineering. And I suppose in any kind of career, really, it's um, it's not always the top performers that make the best managers. I've seen a lot of the time, sometimes the, the absolute best software engineer that you will meet, if you push them into a management role or they decide to try out a management role, they might be terrible at it. But I don't think that should defect from, from what they're best at. They shouldn't kind of be punished almost for, for not having that, that trait or, or having that skill set to be able to do it. So um, as you said, Stefan, like, re, re, you know, rejigging the, uh, the career progression path to allow people to go down whatever route they feel they're best at is, is a really good way of, of doing things, I think. Um, cool. J just obviously conscious of, of everyone's time, I, I appreciate we've covered quite a lot of topics, but whilst we've got everyone together, is, is there anything else that people wanted to, to bring up or, or discuss with, with everyone else that's here? So one thing we, we didn't cover, which would still be at the beginning of, of one's uh, sort of management journey, uh, which I think is very, very relevant in the current situation we are in right now, is remote management, right? Time zones were mentioned at some point, but I think it, it should not be undervalued, uh, the sort of the, um, the challenges involved in having remote reporting lines, right? So understanding what are the, some of those challenges, how do I manage those? It might be clear from, you know, if the company have already set up uh, certain frameworks to sort of guide you and coach you, but I don't think that is uh, the scenario for, for many technology companies, especially the smaller to medium-sized ones. So that should definitely um, be, be considered, especially given the sort of the post-pandemic uh, times we're in. Has anybody got experience of either transitioning into management or moving into a brand new role and, and having to manage a team remotely straight away? Yeah, that was that was my setup. And I uh, so Storytel has a very actually interesting setup with uh, distributed teams. So before pandemic, and I think also now, like there is like five tech sites and people are based at, you know, like they're coupled to an, to an office. So there is very few complete rem completely remote uh, possibilities. But I think Storytel made a very early decision, like before my time, uh, but a very interesting one, but also a good one of that where you are doesn't determine what you work on. So it's not so that, you know, like, oh, we have an Umeo office, they do payments in Umeo. So if you're from Umeo, then you better like payments because that's what you can do, right? So instead, uh, Storytel decided, hey, we will have, um, we will have distributed teams. So, you know, you will work on what you're passionate with and your office is more so like, a, you know, like a, a day, day, day home that you go, that you go to. Um, so that has some advantages um, is that, you know, like it's, it's a lot easier to, to hire. Like if you hire, if you find a 
really good candidate for a specific job. Like you don't have to worry about location. You can just, you could just hire them. And then it was kind of lucky with the, with the pandemic that, you know, we were used to online ways of working. Every meeting is already a, a team's meeting and so on. But, uh, but it also brings down the challenges that, uh, that Stefan mentions, like, yeah, you know, like not being able to see people at, you know, is like makes, makes making real human connections harder. It's harder to build rapport. It's harder to sort of like, you know, prove yourself as a new, as a new manager that you're worthy of their trust. So it has pluses and minuses, but, um, but I think that these setups now after pandemic are, uh, are a lot more common. So even, you know, like, even if the position that uh, one is going to get is based at a like physical office that's in town, you will still have plenty of remote interactions. Um, so, so that way that's here to stay. We had the, uh, so we had uh, an office in Lisbon and in the previous work, we also had a pretty big office in uh, Varsha. And that was actually quite new to the organization about how to do that because all the communication was basically, you know, uh, at the office, right, uh, on site. Uh, so I think one of, one of the mistakes that was really easy to kind of lean to was we, we have our side and their side. Uh, which is very easy, right? Because they, we could just give them tasks and uh, we have our task. Um, but that, of course, will not work uh, uh, as well because, you know, the, of uh, of alignment and, and, of course, the culture. Uh, one of the good tips that uh, we basically shifted, that, that was a cultural change that I, I led there, was shifting the communication towards Slack uh, or whatever uh, your favorite uh, chat. So people will feel that they're actually part of the office as they were uh, physically uh, at the office. And that actually works uh, quite well. And of course, all the standards we had to uh, uh, bring the, the glass wall with a big TV, right? So uh, basically, and, and also integrating uh, teams. So it's not a Danish team and a Polish team or Lisbon. It's a team that also has both engineers from Copenhagen and uh, uh, Varsha, for instance. So really make them work together on a day-to-day -day basis. I really yeah, like this, avoiding us versus them at all costs. I. Uh... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I really, really like that you mentioned that. No, I, I would definitely second that. Um, it's the same for us. I think even, even, and that would even go no matter if it's within the same department, across department, I think that's super important just to make sure that no matter where you're located, I mean, like everyone is the same. There is no them or us because then it becomes a whole different ball game. Um, but it's interesting with this whole remote work. I think it's a very hot debated topic in the industry. And we see many companies who so for a great deal of time moved into a full remote setup now we see a lot of returns to office policies have been popping back and some of them are well let's say maybe not so well executed and some are maybe surprisingly uh, well executed so it's uh, it's interesting to see where this is this is taking us i think one of the things that we've been uh, focusing a lot on uh, throughout the last half year i would say has been to really capture every decision in writing I think we weren't good at that before and i think that's something that we, we we we've been investing a lot on and and trying to really champion from from myself and my managers uh to make sure that our engineers are writing everything down in ifc's and have a good process for that because i think that was really something that um we we, we had an issue with in the past which also was we had a ton of stack threads and then sometimes that spawned into a stack uh, or not a stack but a zoom meeting and then something was decided and it wasn't communicated and then it became evident like a few months later that something was happening that somebody could have used or challenged or whatever and then we found out too late so i think that's something that 
yeah, I would definitely also say, I mean, like if, if I mean, that I would at least encourage people moving into this role, even if it's this role or not this role, I mean, like uh, remote work, definitely make sure that you're spending time on, on both your, uh, you know, written and, um, and uh, spoken, as uh, a language, uh, well, communication, if you will, definitely. Yeah, I can imagine that plays a huge part if somebody leaves the business as well, quite unexpectedly. If you've got someone who's running like a, an entire feature or products and then, you know, they've been kind of doing it all on their own, they decide to leave, uh, there's no handover done and then you've all, all of a sudden got a feature that's nobody knows what's going on with it and, and how to kind of lead it forward. So, um, yeah, the documentation, definitely a, a big one uh, when, it, when it comes to remote. Um, Perfect. I think, um, as, as I mentioned, I've covered most of the, the topics that we kind of had uh, lined up for today, but has anybody else got any other questions or, or any points that they, they feel we should cover? I think one thing that uh, is a special consideration for somebody kind of like moving in is I think it's worth really thinking about if you want to be sort of like promoted from within, like if you want to become an engineering manager at your current place, or if you're going to switch to a new company with a new position, with a new scope. And I think both sides have pros and cons. Uh, both can be done very well and both can go very poorly. But I think it's worth really thinking about that and like making a decision, okay, you know, uh, this is how I'm going to become a manager because it can play a big difference on your how your experience is going to be. Awesome. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate that. Uh, good, good insight. And um, yeah, I, I really appreciate everyone taking the time to, to kind of join us today and to, to cover the, the topics that we've gone through. Um, as I mentioned on my individual calls with you all and, and at the start of the call today before we, we kind of recorded, but it's, um, it's a topic I feel doesn't get enough um, limelight and enough spotlight almost. Um, such a, a massive thing in, in so many engineers' careers when they get to that point what should they do, how should they go about it, and, and what are some of the things that they should look out for. Um, so, yeah, massively appreciate all of you, you coming along today and, and offering your expertise. And we'll, uh, we'll certainly look into uh, to getting a, a management kind of group or, or meetup set up, um, either within Copenhagen or Stockholm, for sure. Something that we've, uh, we've seen a lot of, a lot of interest in. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for, for your time. Lovely to, uh, to get you all together and to, to meet you properly. And hopefully we'll all speak again soon. Thanks for having Likewise. us. Amy. Thanks for having Thanks us. Everyone. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Speak soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.